righty. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. And I want to welcome to the program in studio. He is a candidate for Charlotte-Mecklenburg School District 1 school board race. Bill Fountain, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, Air Force retired. Welcome, sir. How are you? Well, thank you. Being here. Um, so first off, I have to ask, uh, why school board, um, why do you hate yourself so much to run for a school board seat of all of the offices to run for? Well, if you, uh, if I go back and take a look at the, I was a school teacher for, uh, for 10 years, uh, after, after retiring from the air force, like you just mentioned, uh, as a defense planner, as a fighter pilot. And then I went into the business world for uh, 20 years as a uh, program manager and a uh, international uh, marketing manager. And when we retired down here about 18 years ago, I got this urge to say, hey, I want to be a school teacher. So I got my license and became a school teacher for 10 years. In Charlotte Mecklenburg? In, in, uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg, right. I did, I did uh, some at the uh, CMS and then some at a Catholic high school. And uh, What did you teach? I taught uh, geometry, uh, economics. Uh, aviation was a, a big thing, and I actually take my uh, students flying because huh. uh, uh, we'd go out and visit the airports and where they would meet with, you know, with professionals in that field. Yeah. And I also did a uh, aeronautical uh, science course that talked about how the lift did, et cetera, you know, the 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 physics behind it and the electricity and et cetera. So it was a fascinating uh, thing, and of course that's got me into teaching and caring about students, of course. Uh, no, did you do any drag queen flight no, lessons? No. Nothing like that. No, that's... <laughs> no, no. We, we, Apparently, we, that's the thing nowadays. I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, but I, I take up... I had a, uh, a one couple... Of, I had several girls that get into the classes, too, which was... I was thinking you'd get a lot of guys, but there was girls that get into the class, and, and they loved it. I mean, they... Uh, and, and I had very, very few people get ever get sick. I took them up in a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, in a, uh, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Veronica Champ, but it's a, it's a 1946 airplane. You got to hand prop it. I mean, that's, and so it's no. Were electric. parents aware of this? Y- yes, yes, well, yes. Oh, okay. They, they they sign on to this. Okay. And I asked them. It says, if I, if something happens, please don't sue me because I'm paying for the rent for the airplane. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, so uh, but it was a ball. Yeah. I, mean, I really enjoyed it. But you know, I I got. You get to love these children, and, and, and they're caring about them. And then when I, as soon as the COVID hit, I said, you know what? It's about time for the, to retire. So I, I ended up retiring from, the, uh, from teaching. And then that's when I heard all the stuff that's going on with CMS. So I, for over a year since, uh, I guess it's almost a year and a third now, that I've been speaking at the CMS school board about the woke culture that's getting into the school system. And I said, I, I, I got to do something about this. So I kept start speaking. And if you look back over the several years, you can tell that the, there's eight ladies on that school board and they have failed us. And obviously uh, hiring Ernest Winston, you, about you, I, I know. Uh, well, you, no, I, see, now I disagree with that because I'm thinking if the radio thing doesn't work out for me, I might apply oh, for okay. superintendent because right, okay. Ernest was a reporter when I was a reporter for, uh, covering Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. And oh, I, there you go. I'm, I'm thinking I might emulate that, get, yeah. get a, a sweet paycheck and a big golden parachute. Well, yeah, that was, that was the other thing was the golden parachute and you, and you don't, you won't have any measurable objectives. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a win-win. A, I think. It's right. Yeah. And then of course uh, they, they closed the schools all during the COVID 
which is, you know, I don't know wherever they're ever going to re- get back to on the line on that for that. And, of course, they mandated the mask, and then they've, they denied parents' approval of pornographic books, which you've been hearing about mm-hmm. uh, uh, lately. And then they're mandating this gender identity uh, programs, which is really confuses kids' sexuality. And then the, uh, they lowered the standards for sports to get into sports, and even to a point where it's below what it takes to get into college. So it, if a child had aspirations to get into college— so I could play. I mean, I play sports now right. in high school. So I can go to college and play sports. But the grade point is so low that it, you would be able to get into college. So they can play their sport, and there's no reward to get to college right. attached to it anymore because their grades are not uh, high not sufficient. enough. Exactly. And then, of course, the, the the big ones, of course, is the unsafe schools and the low performance, and particularly the black and brown community, and mm. that's. And that's sad. I mean, that's uh, because you would think that the predominant uh, population within the CMS school board is black and and brown and then uh, and white. And so there should be more emphasis on helping these poor, uh, poor people who are, let's say, performance wise. But I don't know what's happening. It is just it's just not it's it's not turning around where they're, they're getting the benefit of it. So is it possible that the school district is being asked to do too much? In other words, the schools can't fix what is a societal problem. That's true. But it's just like if you're trying to walk a straight line on a hard floor, you should be able to do it. But if you're doing this on a waterbed, you're going to be all over the place, right? So think of what they're doing to the the structure of a child who may not have a structure at home. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I, I I grant you that. But at least in the school environment, you should have some type of a structure. And you take what they're doing. You have discipline. They're not disciplined, the troublemakers. I've been to uh, the uh, town hall meetings where they had parents and teachers have complained that students are not being, the troublemakers are not being uh, disciplined. And it's the same ones. So what does that tell you? It reinforces the bad behavior in those troublemakers. It tells the orderly students, hey, I better watch out because these troublemakers may come after me next. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, what does that leave the teacher with an unruly classroom? Maybe some of those teachers are leaving because of that lack of discipline. Well, and, and it deprives the orderly students, as you call them, uh, it deprives them of the opportunity uh, to learn. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So every, everybody, everybody suffers in that. I mean, I, as a school teacher, I know that uh, if you had... One or two in a classroom, that, that could wreck the whole class. And you, if you had a, a 90 or a 50 or whatever the minute uh, period was. Yeah. And then you take the next thing is, is that they're, they're uh, through manipulating equity, which is a, you know, try to, try to get fairness in, in there. But if you manipulate that, they're trying to lead people down the path of being victims. And victimhood is a, is a, is a, a slippery slope. I mean, you, it's, a, it's a cycle. Oh, I've talked about this. Have you heard of the I, research on yes. tendency for interpersonal victimhood? Yeah, absolutely. I, it is awful. And it, once it, you get into that mindset, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. it, it's darn near impossible to get out. And so, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it's all right. Let's, uh, let me take a break. You're going to hang around for a bit? Yeah, uh, please. All right. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 
So six of the Charlotte-Mecklenburg School Board's nine seats uh, are on the ballot in a couple weeks now. Uh, Early voting uh, in person starts on Thursday. The three at-large seats not on the ballot this time around. These are just the the six district seats. And uh, joining me in studio is Bill Fountain, retired lieutenant colonel of U.S. Air Force. He is running in the District 1 race. Um, This is currently held, that seat is currently held by... Rhonda Chi. Right. And um, so there's a lot. There are, what, four candidates, five candidates, six candidates, seven candidates, 12, five of us, 70. Running, five of us running for the one seat. <laughs> right. yes. Five running for one seat. So explain to me what happened, why she has all of these challengers. Well, uh, including you. Including me. Well, I know I'm the only guy is, is going against the woke culture. Okay. Uh, so that, that kind of. So that's what spurred me. And my, mine is more of like of a passion. We got to do something to help these kids. And woke is not the right answer. That's that's just pulling the carpet from underneath them from the stability wise. Uh, the, uh, from the other folks, I know we got you know, like, like Rhonda and uh, Roe Lawson are uh, two Republicans. And then the uh, the other two are, uh, uh, you know, Fisher. And, and, he, and those are, uh, uh, are are Democrats. And I'm an independent. Uh, so, uh, there's a variety. So you're, you're reg- registered unaffiliated. That's right. As a, that's right. Unaffiliated. But uh, you were a Republican. I, I, that's at right. One point. I was, it, I was, but, but at the same time, you know, I didn't want to get in there and start messing around with the, uh, the, you know, having to, because, you know, if you're in a club, you don't want to talk e- bad about your club member. Right. Right. So I said, as an independent, I can voice my concern about what's happening with these eight ladies are doing to the school board. I can, I can say that I have, I have a freedom to do that. And they're, and that, they're a nonpartisan races anyway, to be fair. So you don't need to be a member of right. a party. So That's you can true. run as yeah. an unaffiliated. And it's right. all fine. Yeah. So you just mentioned that again, you, you said these eight ladies, you said that earlier. And I also saw I, in a story, there are nine, there are nine on the board. That's right. right. But what there's nine people on the board. Sean strain is a Republican seeking reelection in district right. six. This comment has raised some eyebrows, it seems, uh, because you you identify these eight ladies. Is there something to that? Why are you? Uh, no, no it's, it's because if you look at the, uh, like I said, I've been going to the school board meetings for over a year now, and if you look at the voting records, the tendency is that the the eight uh, ladies there are it more of a liberal type of a, a stance and. Uh, you know, cause I, if I recall, Sean was not, a, was not for having Ernest Winston in there. You know, he, uh, he wanted him, uh, actually take it out or, I mean, uh, not out, you know, right, right, out, right. But I meant, you know, uh, removed out, removed yeah, yeah, yeah. From, the, uh, from the office and not be given a golden parachute either. So that's the reason I say that because it seems to be the tendency that these, uh, the eight women tend to vote be kind of consistent that doesn't mean that every vote's the same I mean, sure obviously because it's but not that in, seems to be a voting a, block blo- to you right it seems to be from my perspective so that's uh do you think that is based on gender no 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 i okay. don't think it is i think it's a or sex sorry i don't mean to sex is not gender oh, unless right. it needs to be for whatever agenda we're trying to push at any given moment but i'm not trying to not right. trying to offend anybody right but i know i've been into several of the where they had some uh, host, where they would host candidates for the school board for kind of like an indoctrination or a kind of a view of what what is expected of a uh, 
of a, a school board member. And I just got the, the sense that there's, a, there's a more of a social engineering idea that's going on and trying to bring these ideas, which is, which is a kind of a woke thing, which is a, in a way to eliminate social mores. You know, th- that way everybody has a lot more freedom, right? Mm-hmm. If you get, hey, if we don't have any uh, uh, guardrails. guardrails or guardrails or things mm-hmm. like that, then we have freedom to go all, do all kinds of different things. And I think that's, that's not structure. Well, no, I, it's I, definitely I, not structure. Well, I, well, it may be a structure just designed for a different purpose, which right. is, this is one of the arguments about school, about CRT, radical gender theory, all of this stuff in the schools that is now such that, you know, so controversial is that schools are in fact where we pass along our, our values right. to the next exactly. generations. Right. Yes. And so these are the values they are attempting to pass along. And if you object to these values, then you right. get smeared. Right. And I, and I, I call this in a way of social engineering when I ought to be focused on the basics. In other words, uh, because if, if you held, let us say the next superintendent, if you held him or her accountable and says, just like I was as a program manager, is that if I did not develop my product or produce my product on time at the specification and kept my customer happy and made a profit, I would have been fired by my vice president. And we need to have that type of structure and, and, and if we do that with our school board, excuse me, with, with our superintendent, he's going to flow those things down to his principals, I would imagine, if he's held accountable. And if he does that, he'll have contingency plans in there. And he will also get to the basic requirement, and that is to get children career-ready or college-ready. And it eliminate a lot of the peripheral uh, nice to have uh, courses, which sometimes are a lot of fun, like the aviation one, sure. which, which in my case was. But if you're not doing the basics, if you're you're reading and your math and those things are not taken care of, then you really be ought to be. Oh, oops. Yeah, you, you, you you've lost fun. sight. It's mission creep, right? You've lost yeah, sight yeah. of the original objective, and yes. now you're doing all these other things that that are undermining your ability to perform the critical exactly, objective. Exactly. And uh, I I think those are things there, and and you take it, look at that. What they're doing is they, you got to have a discipline in there, right? You got to have, we, we go into, you go into your office or this place right here, there is a certain uh, behavior standard that's expected of you, right? Uh, well, well, I mean, sir, okay. this is radio. So, All right. Uh, but, but if on the highway it is, <laughs> yes, okay. there's, a, there's a behavior standard required on the highway. We ought to have a behavior standard in the school. Yeah. Right. Bill Fountain, he's running for Charlotte Mecklenburg School District 1, his uh, website electbillfountain.com, electbillfountain.com. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate pleasure. you coming in. Good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks again to Bill Fountain for uh, hanging out. We appreciate it. He's a candidate for District 1, Charlotte Mecklenburg School Board. And uh, a reminder... This Saturday, 9 a.m. until noon, rain or shine at Truist Field in Uptown Charlotte. We've got uh, another one of the walks to end Alzheimer's. Uh, the Alzheimer's Association Western Carolina Chapter. It is presented by Sharon Towers and the Home Tea. 
This inspiring event calls on participants of all ages and abilities to join the fight against Alzheimer's. It's a personal mission uh, for me. I've, I've supported uh, the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for, uh, gosh, I don't know, 20 years. And uh, was out at their Gastonia walk two weeks ago. Uh, they do them all, all this month, all around the state. They've got, I think, I'm going to say there's like 17 of them. There's a bunch. They're doing a bunch. And, uh, in fact, we had more than 300 people at the one in, uh, in Gastonia. And uh, the participants raised over $74,000 uh, to help fund Alzheimer's care, support, and uh, research programs. So uh, if you uh, are interested in joining and helping us out, and making a difference, uh, we would love to see you at Truist Field this Saturday for the walk. It's an easy walk, too. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, and uh, and I'm probably going to be there. See, now I'm pro- uh, my status has been upgraded to probable. So it's a game time to sit. No, I'm kidding. More than likely, I will be there. Um, let's see here. I got uh, an email here from Ann. And she says, an FYI, related to this uh, question of parental notification from the schools about uh, sensitive, perhaps, possibly inappropriate content being uh, uh, taught to kids or made available to kids in the schools. She says, I contacted the North Carolina State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Catherine Truitt, uh, and uh, asked the following question. Is it currently the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction policy or policy in any North Carolina public school not to inform parents about a child's gender transition in any circumstances? Is there a policy? Is it a state policy? Is there a public school policy that says do not inform parents? And the response from the superintendent's office was, quote, Currently, there is no policy regarding North Carolina public schools and a duty to inform parents of a child's gender transition. However, the Senate recently passed a bill that would require public schools to notify parents should a child wish to be called by a different name or disclose a desire to transition to a different gender. By the way, does this, does this same sort of accommodation apply if a child would like to transition to a different grade? Can I do that? If I'm a student in K-12, can I transition to a different grade? Like, I, I know I'm, I'm in, you know, eighth grade, but I really do see myself more as a senior. So I'd like to go ahead and identify as a senior and transition to uh, be a senior. Can I do that? Or how about this? Would you inform my parents if I was making this demand of the school? Why or why not? Back to the response from the DPI. The bill has yet to be passed in the House, and the governor has already stated publicly that he will veto the bill. Uh, So Ann says, this is where North Carolina stands. Since there is no policy, I'm assuming that means school boards can set whatever policy they desire. I would would concur with that assumption, Ann. Um, Meanwhile, Charlotte Observer reporting, uh, review committee and rating system are solutions to controversial books circulating in school libraries and classrooms, according to the leader of a conservative activist group who told this to CMS officials. 
and you know me, I'm all about solutions, right? When you think me, you think solutions, right? So this seems to be like a good idea, a potential solution that you you have these books that are uh, creating backlash, that are creating concern, raising concerns among parents. And so how do we, how do we figure a system out here? Now, what I'm going to be watching is who's interested in actually solving the problem. Because the people who are not interested in solving the problem, that indicates to me that they don't see it as a problem for them. And they are perfectly happy with the current model in place, even though it is engendering. Engendering? I guess that's, yeah, I guess so. Well, it's inspiring, it's prompting a lot of these concerns and this agitation and this anger and this opposition. Brooke Weiss is the chair of Moms for Liberty Mecklenburg, and uh, she says that uh, she's never been in favor of banning books, but books containing controversial content, particularly explicit sex, should be rated with age restrictions to give parents the choice about whether their kid should have access to the book. Quote, parents are the ones that should decide whether their children are mature enough to handle sexually explicit material, she said. And she's exactly right, by the way. She's exactly right. Parents are the ones that make that call, not the teachers. And I don't know where this idea came from amongst teachers, and maybe it comes from just, you know, standing in front of captive audiences that are there by law, they can't leave, and then you get to just talk at them. And maybe that... that uh, becomes sort of a normal way of discourse or, or a belief that what you say reigns supreme. And by the way, lest you think that that applies to me, um, I could say lots of stupid things and people are going to call into this show and they're going to ream me for it. Okay, so I get immediate feedback. <laughs> so uh, it's not quite similar, but I know that, that, uh, that I have heard that criticism before that, or that comparison. But it is up to the parents. And I don't know why people somehow or another got to thinking that it's not. That's, that's what has changed. And the pushback you're getting now is because you guys changed it, not the parents. You did. Matt Hayes is the CMS Deputy Superintendent of Academics and Nancy Brightwell, Chief Academic Officer. And uh, in the report by Anna Maria Della Costa at the Charlotte Observer, uh, they met with... Brooke Weiss, last week, and they said that the proposed new system requires the Board of Education to write a new policy, which, yeah, I mean, I guess that might be a bridge too far. Does this board know how to write new policy? Oh, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sure staff can do it for them. Um, Yeah, you're going to have to do some work on this, and you're going to have to find a solution. And you're going to have to take other people's beliefs and opinions into account when you do it. That's the way this should work. I don't know if the board can work like that. The Moms for Liberty proposal comes as school districts nationwide see an uptick in complaints about book content. And why is that occurring, by the way? Why why are there... Complaints. Why is there an uptick in complaints about book content? Could it be that people are bringing these books into the schools, whereas they did not previously? The reaction is not the cause. The reaction is the reaction, just to state the obvious. 
remember Thursday night, WBT's Talktoberfest continues. It's every Thursday. 8 o'clock on the WBT Facebook page, the Facebook live feed. Let's see, this week it is Mark Garrison and Brett Jensen. You'll be able to hang out with them, participate, grab a pint of, you know, whatever your favorite beverage might be, and hang out, throw a bunch of questions at them, talks, uh, talk amongst yourselves as well. It's all part of the Talktober festivities. See what I did there? Talktober festivities. It's all presented by Kristen Bernard and Power Home Team. Keller Williams, South Park. I'm, I'm telling you, I am a professional. Do not attempt these types of wordsmithery tricks on your own. All right? All of the details, by the way, are at WBT.com. All right, uh, let me go over here and get Gigi on. Hello, Gigi. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. Uh, good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. What's um, up? Just touching base about the book issue in CMS schools. The, the thing that I think we need to keep reminding people is that um, if someone said any of the things that are highlighted or drawn from these books in a work environment, or if someone were in a mall, with their child and an adult came up to their child and said these things in a public situation, we'd either be out of the job or we'd be arrested. And I think it will be interesting to your point about who on the board, on the school board does not um, see the separation of these books and requirements of uh, parental consent as a feasible solution. And my question to anybody who, on the board specifically, who does not think that's a reasonable solution, what what do they think is reasonable about this kind of sexual language for children, addressed to children and available to children? What is it that they find commendable or acceptable about having that is for having that language in front of children? I will tell you, they so they will never directly address the appropriateness of the language, except to say something along the lines of uh, this is for kids who are advanced readers or something. And they're, uh, you know, they're exploring and they have these questions and they uh, and they're looking for material that speaks to them. That's what they will say. They never address the specifics of what's actually in the books. And uh, that's because it's indefensible. If I may interrupt for a second, the, the other thing that bothers me about the school board meetings is that they give, you know, they can say, oh, well, we give people a chance to speak. I don't want to go and speak. I want to go and ask them questions, and I want them to answer my questions. And there's no, there's no venue for that. They don't allow that. That's you're what the elections there. are for. That's, so that's why you find, you, you, you find whoever your district rep is, you find what events they are doing, and you go to those events. Thankfully, my district rep is probably one of the only sane people on the board. But who is that? Uh, Sean Strain. Well, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but but it, but, it, but you can go to the other ones. You you can still go to the other ones. Well, it, uh, yes, but it, but uh, you know, I I, I don't really. If you want the I answers, I don't know where I don't know where they're holding events, and, and I don't think they're. I don't know of any that have held public events. Right. Well, and I haven't checked to see either. But they're running campaigns, so I, I would assume they are doing campaign events. Oh, Pete, don't assume anything. I am assuming. Absolutely, I'm assuming the ones that are running in their districts, uh, they're going to be holding events, town halls or whatever. They're going to go do a meet and greet someplace. They're going to go door knocking or something. If you go onto their Facebook pages, they usually post that stuff. They got pictures like, oh, we're out here knocking on doors, you know, and they'll, they'll, they publicize this because they need people's support. And then you find out where the event is and you go. And if you have these questions, that's where you ask the question. Because, like, I agree with you. They don't 
They don't engage in a back and forth. They're not there. To, uh, uh, they're not there to have a conversation with you at the board meetings. Absolutely right. They're there to right. quote listen to the public and to, and that that doesn't mean anything except just listen to like the audio waves coming through the air. Like that's it. It doesn't mean that they're going to do anything that you want. It just means that they're there to hear you as you speak into a microphone. That's it. I, I think that I think the basic question from my perspective. For, for people on the school board, for teachers, why, what, is your, what is your kind of, I mean, for lack of a better word, obsession with sexualizing children? Right. They would say what? that's a, and I would say that you're going to induce a reaction by the nature of your question because you're assuming that that's what they're doing. And I think a lot of these people, not the, not the radicals, but I think a lot of people are just going along because they, they're afraid of being called phobic for whatever the radicals are pushing. And so when you say to them that you're grooming the kids, right? Cause there was this, you know, now like social media is like deleting everybody that uses the term groomer. That's right. the re that's the reaction you're going to induce when you approach people that don't already agree with you. That's why you're like, you'll notice I rarely ever use the term groomers. I rarely ever. I don't, I don't, I don't think that we need to do that. I think, I think that is kind of, you know, sticking your finger in somebody's eye now sure. that that's become so, you know, um, prevalent, you know, so politicized or, but, but I think it's just, it's very basic. These are children. Mm -hmm. What, why, why do children maybe in high school different, a little bit different mm -hmm. for children? What, what do they need to know about sex? Right. Well, uh, but again, I, I, mean, I, I think there's just something very sad that that's what our society has Right. That's and that's why I think the I think the argument is I think you get more success in the argument. I appreciate the call, Gigi. Thanks for uh, for making it. I I think you get further in that argument by posing it as an age appropriateness issue. These these topics are not age appropriate for that group of kids, and we all used to agree on that. Do you not agree on this any longer? Right. And that's a that's a less confrontational way I think of presenting the. Uh, the argument, right? Because everybody thinks, right? I, I assume everybody agrees there's appropriateness based on age. So what changed? <laughs>